music for the Cinema Geekly podcast is brought to you by freemusicarchive.org. The Free Music Archive is an interactive library of high-quality legal audio downloads. The Free Music Archive is directed by WFMU, the most renowned freeform radio station in America. Inspired by Creative Commons and the open-source software movement, the FMA provides a legal and technological framework for curators, artists, and listeners to harness the potential of music sharing. Specific music for the Cinema Geekly podcast is brought to you by BuskerDroid. Visit them on the internet at buskerdroid.com or at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash buskerdroid. It's time for the Cinema Geekly podcast, episode number seven. My name is Anthony Lewis. I'm Aaron De La Osa. Uh, thanks for checking us out on cinemageekly.com and on iTunes as well. We're also on all those social networks. We've mentioned them before a million times, but apparently just mentioning them is not enough to get you to go and fan us or like us or follow us on them. Uh, even even the threat of giving something away for free if you get enough people to sign up has apparently not been good enough. By the way, that's going to be we're gonna we're gonna keep this up until at least the end of the year. If we don't get it by the end of the year, then you, you guys are you guys are out of luck on a on a free on a free game or Blu-ray or DVD. I was actually in the middle, by the way, of of determining what we would be giving away. I, th- I think we just might have to go old school and just start dropping leaflets and mailboxes and on windshields and things like that. Perhaps, maybe we'll have to forget the digital and we're just gonna have to go door to door or yeah. car to car. We're taking it all underground now. Uh, like those old restaurants will hang something on your doorknob. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, the uh, the other social network that we're on, which we are not counting how many people are followers on, we're just there because it's just another outlet. Is the is the Google Plus that? And by the way, I'm only going to specifically mention that all the other social networks. It's easy to remember. Just plug in the social network URL, and then it's slash Cinema Geekly afterwards. Um, Google Plus is the only one where we have to get a specially designed url because they have yet to 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 trot into a 2011 here where everybody else has uh and easy to remember url google plus is still using the slash 37 digit number thing right. for url so um we had to get a specialized url but it'll take you there nonetheless it's g plus dot to slash cinema geekly for the google plus account um so go ahead and check us out on there as well um I guess happy belated Thanksgiving to everybody listening. If you're listening in the United States, um, elsewhere nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, even some people here don't care. I, I don't know. Did you uh, celebrate the Thanksgiving, Aaron? No, not really. Just uh, you know, food, family, uh, football, that sort of thing. That's pretty much about the uh, highlight of the day for everybody. Yeah, that's what it was here as well. Um, actually, a great dinner, but uh, <laughs> I kind of stopped watching the uh, the Lions Packers game about. To ten minutes before the end of the the half, and in fact, uh-huh. not because I didn't want to see Nickelback. It had nothing to do with that. It was, <laughs> it, it was just you know I, I could kind of tell the way the game was going that it wasn't going to end in our favor. And lo and behold, it did not. Uh, so, uh, short of, and I guess short of uh, seeing um, uh, Sue step on somebody's arm, I guess, and drive his head into the ground a couple times. I guess there really wasn't much to talk about personally i think he was just trying to drive attention away from nickelback playing yeah <laughs> he wanted to draw some of the hatred away perhaps he's a uh, closeted nickelback fan it, it was kind of funny seeing him kind of smash that dude's head in the, into the ground a few times and then step on and then step on him of course um yeah it's not a sports podcast though so we're not going to dwell <laughs> terribly long on it but right. uh, um I, I are you one of the smart people that steer clear of the uh the, all the black friday stuff Absolutely. Okay, yeah, same here. Um, there are some, and I want to talk a little bit about Black Friday deals in a minute, but these are these are nice and safe ones that involve the internet. They don't involve you, uh, and they are tied into movies as well. So, But nothing that involves you perhaps putting your own life in jeopardy by going to a Walmart or a Target or something like that. <laughs> um, I used to get upset looking at those ads, by the way, uh, looking at something that I just bought. Uh, for right. for example, and then seeing the price like cut in half, just a mere few weeks later, um, then common sense really has to common sense really has to kick in, and as it should for everybody else, ladies and gentlemen, I would advocate using the internet for your Black Friday deals, but uh, or Cyber Monday. Some places just do a, a whole 
uh, a weekend long thing to cover all of their deals. But um, the thing that always I'm reminded of is sure the TV that I bought last year for fifteen hundred dollars is now you know uh, five hundred <laughs> five hundred bucks or four hundred dollars or something on Black Friday. But I have to remember that they only have maybe like ten of those TVs in there, and that is why people get trampled to death trying to get to them because they have so few in stock for that price. Um, so everybody just remember, it's a lot easier just to, to point and click with a mouse. Save yeah. yourself some trouble. Perhaps save your own life. I, I don't know. Uh, I feel bad for everybody who has to go out there, who feels the need to go out there and do it. And I feel even worse for the employees of stores that have to deal with the madness, I'm sure. Uh, oh, yeah. On end, so. um, for, uh, for anybody out there listening, if they are into kind of like comic book movie, uh, you know, memorabilia, replica props, things like that. If you go to entertainmentearth.com, uh, their website, their Black Friday special is pretty good. They normally have uh, <clears throat> some pretty high-end replicas for a few hundred dollars, but say a lot of them are going for right around 90 bucks. So, Hey, and for that plug, we should probably get something free from them. Yeah, I'll be sure to email them and let them know. <laughs> <laughs> free plugs right um so the box office was a pretty oh, easy predict that uh, was a pretty easy prediction last week we all said twilight saga breaking dawn and oh. boy did that rule the weekend 138 million dollars oh. not nothing nothing else came remotely close oh. um it made well over 100 million dollars more than happy feet 2 <laughs> it's only made 21.2 mil you mean a preachy movie about dancing penguins wasn't enough to topple the the tween vamps no it was not the twihards oh, the twihards stormed the cinemas twihards oh my god <laughs> um immortals finished in third place it fell to third making only 12.4 jack and jill somehow in fourth place still Somehow making $11.7 million. Uh, Puss in Boots fell to fifth place at 10.8. Um, yeah, man. The, uh, the, the, thing, the best thing that really came out of the Twilight stuff, aside from having fun reading some of the negative reviews or watching, <laughs> uh, watching people troll Twihards on internet message boards, aside from all of that fun, which I consider more of a seasonal holiday activity, Aside from all of that, um, there are there are all these reports of I guess like what seizures or something seizures yeah sick in the movie theaters yeah I, I personally I think uh, these guys were all faking just to get out of the movie before before they sit there any more of it <laughs> I'm thinking maybe they found like the hospital to be a more interesting place to... yeah absolutely um, like I, I'm willing to get rid of my my thousand dollar deductible all in one shot just to get out of watching this crap. They're saying it was I guess there was like flashing lights and stuff like that. It was a lot of you know crazy edit yeah. techniques during the uh, the Bella birth thing. I guess they did, yeah. which they said they wanted to make as graphic as possible. But it's a PG thirteen movie, so you're not going to get that graphic. I don't think. Um, right. Yeah. You're not going to see like a hand coming out and like grabbing her leg or something like that. So they should have. If it's a if it's a vampire being born, the kid should have come out snacking on the placenta or something. That's make it realistic. <laughs> yeah, but then that well, you know, uh, the kid would come out and start sparkling or something. Right. Like yeah. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> like, let's not even talk about this. <laughs> uh, my eyes and ears. The um, I, I don't even know what the deal. Apparently, there is some issues about the same thing with Avatar, I guess. But I've watched Avatar a bunch of times, and I have no idea where that would be coming from, like people getting seizures and stuff. I remember lots of talk about motion sickness for Cloverfield right? Uh, because of the shaky cam elements of it or whatever. I don't know. That was also something that I never had any problems with as far as at least being able to you know, keep my lunch down or whatever. Right. Um, Twilight Saga, however, I don't know. It just sounds to me, I, I'd be curious to know what the ratio of women to men is who are suffering here. Cause I'm starting to get a feeling that it's just like a bunch of guys who, like you said, just were trying to find an excuse. Oh my God, I, I'm having a seizure and they just start right. shaking in their seats or something like that. Call, uh, call maybe, uh, maybe tears tend to block like the sort of strobe effects. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 100% positive. Every woman in that theater was crying during that part in the movie. No, so the, maybe the natural, the, the natural kind of lubricant of the eye just protected them, and the guys are just <laughs> they're scrambling just to get out of there. Perhaps it was just uh, they're just trying to – there was maybe subliminal messaging in there perhaps. Right. <laughs> uh, who knows? It could have been anything. Uh, <laughs> the um, – I'm looking at the, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about it by the time we close things out here, but I'm looking at the stuff for, um, the stuff that's opening today, and I'm really hoping 
that um, well, I shouldn't say opening today because of Halloween or because of uh, Thanksgiving. The stuff technically opened on uh, the 23rd, so a couple of days ago, open right before um, Thanksgiving. But I'm, I'm hoping some of the stuff can at least put a dent into Twilight. Uh, I, I'm afraid that it's probably going to be in first place again for a second week. It, I don't think yep. there's been a Twilight movie that hasn't held on to the spot for at least a couple of weeks. So uh, I'm willing to say it'll hold number one until the new Sherlock Holmes comes out next month. Yeah, quite possibly, and that would be scary if it held on for that long. Oh my god, I know, but... Twilight is occupying the cinemas. Um, yeah. No thanks. Um, well, there's There are a few items of, of newsery to discuss, but I, I wanted to mention the, uh, the the Black Friday stuff. There is some like good stuff out there for movie fans. Um, Amazon, for example, has a boatload of stuff right now for super cheap, some really good movies for really cheap. Um, I think they have the, uh, I'm looking at this list now. They've got a lot of great stuff. Back to the Future Trilogy for 26 bucks. Oh, beautiful. Um, the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray, of course. I have the DVD set. And I'd like to, right. I'd probably upgrade it at some point. It's not high on my list to upgrade it. But um, Big Lebowski Digibook uh, Blu-ray is $11. Um, there's some really awesome cheap stuff. Grand Torino's only four ninety nine. Uh, and I'd suggest going out of your way to check that out, especially if you enjoy Clint Eastwood saying a bunch of racist things at people to their face. And who doesn't? Uh, no, I mean, who does not? Um, <laughs> now, here's the thing. the um, I guess this is a deal. I don't know. Because they already have, I, guess they already have, I already have all of the movies, and it just seems like it could be more of a deal to me. The uh, They have the complete eight-film Harry Potter Blu-ray set, and that's apparently on sale for $70. The whole set? The entire, all eight films. Wow. For $70. And apparently that is a sale, but for me, I'm just like, oh, couldn't you go yeah, a little bit lower? Maybe uh, maybe like 59 or something. But right. 70 bucks is, is where it's at. Mm. I guess I guess that seems high to me, but I already have all the movies, so I, right. I don't even know what I'm complaining about. Uh, yeah, I mean, considering you probably paid like, you know, 20 bucks each as soon as they come rifling out, you know. Right. right. <laughs> and I've ended up paying a whole lot more. So uh, yeah. Inception's four ninety nine and Glorious Bastards seven ninety nine. Um, movie. Joe McDonald's beloved Jurassic Park Ultimate Trilogy is only $30. <laughs> so maybe he's wishing he saved uh, for a couple of extra weeks. Right. Uh, um, the uh, the Lord of the Rings extended Blu-ray set is only fifty, which means I should probably get it now while it's only fifty dollars instead of waiting till it goes back up to sixty or seventy. Is that the one that's uh, nineteen hours long? Or yes, it is. That's the one where uh, each film is t- at least two discs in length. Oh it has, crap! I believe it has something like eighty-seven discs of bonus features. Oh so my god! It's a huge set. I think there's maybe like sixteen discs or something like that altogether. You can need a separate media cabinet just for that set. <laughs> yes. Um, office space is seven ninety-nine. If you haven't seen it already, go go see that. Uh, Pulp Fiction eight ninety-nine. Um, true, the True Grit uh, remake, which I also liked, and I like great the, movie. Yeah, I like the first one too, but I really like yeah. this one as well. That's only ten bucks. Um, so for movie fans, there's a lot of good deals out there. Just try not to. I mean, there are okay. So there are really great deals at stores too. Like you can get probably some of those movies for even less than what Amazon's selling them for. But do you really want to try to get your head stepped on in order to get you know a copy of True Grit? Uh, okay. No, I mean not me anyway. <laughs> that's that's not on my. Uh, that's not high on my list of objectives for. Uh, this particular day, I think it, like, I saw I saw a blurb when I was jumping online that it that uh, some lady pepper sprayed a couple of other shoppers like they're all going in for the same item and she just Walmart. went haywire. Yeah, yeah. apparently uh, inspired by the Occupy cops or whatever in Oakland, <laughs> and just pepper spray anybody we want to. Why not? Yeah, um, <laughs> just shop online, everybody. I wonder. Yes, I wonder. I I wonder if the story actually mentions what. She was so desperate to get at that she felt the need to pepper spray people. At Walmart, I'm willing to say, like oh gosh, some what sp- state? What state were they in? Oh, I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not even positive. Because um, it, that that could definitely reflect on the purchase. Yeah, it's possible. It could be a Miley Cyrus DVD or uh, oh, God. An, an Elmo toy, perhaps. Uh, right. <laughs> which are still inexplicably, uh, I, I guess not inexplicably popular. I guess it was inexplicably popular when when tweens and middle-aged women wanted them i guess it's not right. inexplicable when when little kids want one my Do, one-year-old don't they rap now or something yeah there's one that plays bongo drums my one-year-old really <laughs> wants one so 
Well, by really wants one, I mean just wanted to grab it and take it away and got mad when we left its vicinity. So right. um, that's my guess. <laughs> um, you know, I, there's, a, there's a couple of things to, to bring up, too. Stuff that I posted in the Geekly Briefs, but most of the things that I posted in the Briefs this week were more uh, interesting tidbits and were less of news stories. You know, things like that. Uh, you know, like Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki in the Avengers, talked about oh, yeah. um, uh, fighting... Um, uh, you know the Incredible Hulk or whatever and things like that. They they did have a a funny. Uh, I mentioned they had like a funny uh, talk about it was like that Jaws like scene or in Chasing Amy where they compare their uh, scars or whatever the injuries they've suffered during the course of the film. And yeah. um, I just like the quote where he says Chris Evans pulls down his trousers and says, "Dude, you think that's bad? Look at my ass." Yeah. Uh, that was an amazing quote to me, but yeah. I mean, you know, it's stuff like that. Gary Oldman commenting on how, uh, what it's like shooting with IMAX cameras for the dark Knight rises or Kenneth Branagh's talk about, uh, what he thinks about Patty Jenkins directing Thor two, uh, you know, things like that. Very few news items. There is a, there are a couple of things that did, um, uh, eke its way out, um, mainly about the star Trek sequel. One of them was that, uh, I guess JJ Abrams kind of, came out and said what everybody else was already saying was that they're obviously really interested in getting Benicio del Toro. And it's one of those things where it's like, um, the fact that they're talking about it so much essentially makes it sound like it's, eh, it's just a matter of crossing some T's, dotting some I's right. and not a matter of, you know, we'd like him to be in the movie, but it's probably a long shot the way it's been sounding and worded in various interviews is that he's probably signing on to the role. Yeah. Um, so much so that most places have more or less confirmed that, that <laughs> that's yeah. what it's going to be. Uh, Great actor, too. I mean, and, and at least, you know, with, with them casting him as a Klingon, it won't really take that much makeup for him. Right. He already kind of has just that really kind of shitty, beaten down look to him already. Just slap some ridges on him and a, and yeah. a beard and a goatee of some sort. Yep, you're good that's to sad. go. Um, I mean, he, uh, uh, JJ in the interview said that. Pretty much when they lock down the main villain role is when they will announce what the villain, you know, who the villain is going to be. They already announced also that they're going to be shooting the film in January. and In, in 3D as well. Yeah, that's the thing that Deadline put out um, just the other day is that they're going to be shooting it in 3D and it won't be released until May 17th, 2013. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, as a fan of Star Trek, as a big fan of Star Trek, Sucks. disheartening to <laughs> say the least. I'm like, man, just open it, open it late 2012, Christmas time, something like that. Put it out then. Don't make it. Doesn't have to be a big summer blockbuster. Yeah, I don't want to wait that long. They're gonna more than a year after they start shooting it, will it yep. be uh, completed? And um, yeah, I mean the 3D thing, shooting it in 3D is cool. I guess um, I'm probably not gonna go see it in 3D. I wonder. I am curious, though, to know how that's going to lend to J.J. Abrams' style, because he does a lot of uh, he does a lot of like whip pans when he's um, cutting from scene to scene, where the camera mm-hmm. just whips around really quickly to another scene. There's that. I wonder how well that's going to work in 3D. Uh, obviously, the uh, the much talked about lens flares of J.J. Abrams. <laughs> um, I know there's already been some jokes about like you know oh lens flares in 3D, but there may actually be some like interest about like uh, lens flares in 3D may be more annoying than yeah absolutely I mean, um, that sort of thing. I don't even know if it's possible to do a lens flare in 3D. Perhaps uh, I'm sure he'll figure out a way to get one in there. <laughs> have a red flashlight and a blue flashlight and just right. <laughs> shine them at the lens at the same time. Um, that is one thing that I really thought was cool at the very least about. Um, the making of that film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing I liked about the 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 fl- I don't I number one I should probably note that I didn't find them nearly as annoying as other people did. I, it was a little weird at first, but I, you know I just got used to it as part of the scenery of the film or whatever. It was something that never constantly bothered me. Right. <laughs> um, but the one thing that I I did like was that they at least did kind of an old school movie mentality about doing them uh the only times they did the only time they really did uh, a digital lens flare was during you know full cg scenes everything else when they were uh, during the the making of and stuff they 
uh, showed kind of nonstop that he literally just had flashlights and would every <laughs> once in a while just point them right at the camera while it was in the middle of shooting a scene, and it would just you know create a, uh, a natural flare on the camera. So um, at least they did it. At least they went about it old school like, and it wasn't. Yeah. They didn't just use a plugin <laughs> from a, in a video editor. Um, Michael Giacchino is going to be doing the score again as well, and I oh, like the, great. and I like the score from the last film. Yeah, uh, he didn't win a he didn't win an Oscar for that one because he was too busy winning an Oscar for the score for Up that he that he also did. <laughs> so uh, talk about a depressing movie! Oh my god, Up! Oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah, I mean at least the the first uh, the the first few minutes of that movie, the first five minutes or so, are hideously depressing. And yeah, I mean, actually, that, that, that's where I stopped too. I was like, well. This is how it's starting. I'm, I'm not finishing this. There's no way. It, it's a it's a it's a great movie. It's 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 currently my favorite Pixar movie. But um, yeah, that's uh that's weird that they went that way. With usually there's something in there where adults can can read into the situation, and the kids are having fun in the meantime. But there is no fun to be had for children there at the beginning. No, it, like as soon as it starts off, it just smacks you right in the face with a dead baby, right. and you're just sitting there like, wow, this is horrible. Right. I mean, my parent, my parents were terribly saddened by the beginning of this film because it made them think of their parents and yeah. I was like oh my god this is horrible <laughs> um, uh, other other little bits and pieces that kind of come out here uh, Ridley Scott's Prometheus film uh, continues to I, I guess I don't want to say it continues to confuse people <laughs> but it's I, I'm number one I should say I'm really interested in seeing it Ridley Scott doing yeah. your sci-fi movie is, is awesome I'm a fan of that uh, originally, wasn't this supposed to be a, like a prequel to Alien or something? Wasn't that the original idea for this movie? Yeah, and as far as I'm aware, too, I mean, that that's still the way it's going. Like, it, it could just be a bunch of misinformation being leaked out. But, I mean, it's, it's like every other day you read a different story. Well, now it's not a, ple- a prequel. It's, it's just, you know, who knows anymore what the hell's going on with this movie. Right, well, I, I heard it was supposed to be a prequel at one point, and then they're like, no, 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 really... Ridley changed changed his mind. It's not going to be a prequel. It's just going to be, you know, uh, a you know a sci-fi movie. Right. Um, and then there were these quotes that came out with, from Entertainment Weekly with the stars, where it just made it even more confusing. Michael uh, Michael Fassbender said that there's he his quote was there's definitely a link to Alien. There are creatures in the movie that you'll recognize, uh, stuff like that. So that leads people to believe that there is some sort of tie into it, even if it's not a pure prequel or something. Mm-hmm. And then Charlize Theron says that, you know, get your idea, get the ideas out of your head that it has anything to do with alien. <laughs> so you have the two stars of the movie kind of saying completely different. Arguing things. Each other. Right. Um, well, and then I read too, that the, there's going to be references to, to the Wayland corporation there. And I'm like, well, if that's not an alien movie right there, then I don't know what the hell's going on. All right. I mean, that's uh, I mean, that's like uh, Kevin Smith doing a, uh, a movie saying this has nothing to do with the uh, <laughs> universe, and then the first scene right. at Quick Stop. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's just like yeah, absolutely. Oh, it has nothing to do with it. That's weird. Yeah. Oh, hey, Dante and Randall. Um, yeah. This has nothing to do with the Viewers universe. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, either way, I'm excited to see it. Either way, if it has something to do with Alien or not, um, I'm still pretty pumped to see it. And I really uh, didn't really notice Fastbender at all until I saw the X Men movie. And yeah, there was a uh, becoming a fan of his, so I, I'm interested in seeing that. I haven't seen Charlize Theron in anything though in quite a while, so he uh, he was pretty good in 300, also. Okay, okay. Well, I've seen 300. I just didn't realize he was in it. Yeah, go back and watch. You'll you'll recognize him right from the get go. Uh, like uh, <clears throat> the, the the captain's son, like not the not the king, but his second command. That dude's son, like his okay. best friend, was Michael Fassbender. And like okay. as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh crap. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes people tend to disappear into a movie and that, uh, I was just mentioning that as well. Especially that movie too. It's nothing but long hair and abs. Right. And, and killing. Yeah. Um, I just, I just reviewed Cowboys and Aliens for the website and that's the same thing that happened to Sam Rockwell in that movie. I really like Sam Rockwell. Oh yeah. I love that guy. I completely forgot he was in the movie until the credit. <laughs> like Sam Rockwell. And I'm like, oh, oh who was he again? Right. Yeah, he was that guy. Okay. Yeah, that movie fell on its ass to me. I was kind of let down by Cowboys and Aliens. I, oh, the, fe- the feeling I got, the feeling I got was, um, you know, by the name, the name to me kind of screamed like, oh, it's going to be, the name is kind of a clever tongue-in-cheek play on Cowboys and Indians. Right. And literally, the first thing after watching the movie that 
came to my mind was, oh, it's oh, it's like snakes on a plane. <laughs> it's a movie that has snakes that are on a plane. Right. This is a movie that has cowboys and aliens in it. But that's it. There's really nothing more to the movie. Oh, uh, there's there's a story in there, but it's it didn't get my attention in any way, and it, and it didn't feel like you ever got attached to any of the characters, which is weird because it's such a from from in front of the camera and behind the camera, it felt like an all star group of people. Right. Um, does, uh, does Olivia Wilde does she get nude in that? She is naked in the film, but yeah. you see none of the nakedness. Oh, see right there, that's not worth seeing it. No, no, you get. <laughs> You get her like walking, but there's like fire. There's like a campfire, and it's like covering her ass. And then um, the only other shot you get from her is of like the shoulders up. Um, so yeah, that that's terrible. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think had she been fully nude, even that it would have raised my rating. I gave it the on, on the geeky glasses scale. I only gave it two out of oh. five. I don't even think it would have raised it too much higher. Perhaps it would have made it two and a half if there was some nudity or. Or something along, something to give me something to to latch on to. But right. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was a God. It was an amazing. It was amazing. From I, I like John Favreau um, mainly because I like the last two Iron Man movies he directed. Um, I mean, and then you had Spielberg producing, you had Ron Howard producing, and then you had his producer also producing, Brian Grazer. Brian Grazer, yeah. The guys who wrote it were uh, Orsi and Kurtzman, the guy who wrote the Star Trek movie. And Damon Lindelof was also a writer on the movie. Uh, and then you had Daniel Craig and Olivia Wilde and Harrison Ford and Sam Rockwell. How could this movie have failed? Is what I want to know. And it wow. just yeah, that's it. Just did uh, the box office was a hundred hundred million. That's the total box office for the film. Wow. So, yeah, I mean it's coming out on Blu-ray soon. It, it isn't out yet, but uh, it, it'll make up some money there because uh, Green Lantern really made up a lot of traction, like on rentals and DVD too. I mean, I hope I hope it does. It just it. it it's not, and I, I think part of the reason why I gave it a lower review is because I had expectations going into this. Right. I read some of the other reviews out there and was, you know, a little disheartened. Most of the reviews were weren't that great, and I was like, yeah, well, you know, people have been wrong before. And I watched it, and I was just like, yeah. I mean, again, it wasn't an offensively bad movie. It was just um, technically well made and otherwise just there. I mean, if you really if all you want to see in the movie is cowboys and then aliens and then see them fight, you will probably like the movie. Um, <laughs> but with with the actors involved in this movie, I was kind of expecting a little bit more out of it. I mean, you could literally, from my perspective, take all of the big name stars out and put nobodies in it, and it would have been the same exact film. So, wow. Yeah, um, I was I was a little let down. <laughs> um, there's a couple of other. Uh, there's another piece of news that popped out. I guess with the. I guess this isn't too much news because I hadn't heard anything about it in a while, so I just assumed it to be the case anyway. But uh, Viggo Mortensen is apparently not going to have any sort of cameoing spot in the Hobbit film. Um, well, I mean that's not considering you know what he, he wasn't like a 400 year old you know human or anything. <laughs> right, half human, half elf, or whatever. Right. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I guess I'm not terribly surprised by it because I just didn't hear. I heard all of the other people who were going to be having cameos had already shot scenes and things like that, and I just not. I just had not heard his name brought up at all. Right. I, the last time, in fact, I even heard his name brought up was when they were still talking about doing two movies and having one of them be The Hobbit and having one of them be a completely new movie based off of the Tolkien works, like the stuff right. that all of the backstory and stuff that he had written to Lord of the Rings, but nothing that he formed a real story out of that they were going to make a film around that. Yeah. Um, that's when I heard that he would be involved. Uh, and that's the last time I heard about it too, because eventually they just decided to do the Hobbit parts. Um, I'm, I, I wonder if there's still a, I mean, do you ever have any, any feelings about the, uh, the idea at one point of doing a completely new movie, something that Tolkien didn't, necessarily right per se but you know sort of wrote just not into a narrative or something like that anything that hollywood wants to, wants to do nowadays that is original i'm all for i'm so right. sick of all these freaking reboots and remakes and just oh i mean i don't have a problem with them turning the the, the book into two parts but no, that's fine i mean you know but, 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 you know might be about like you know yeah if they want to do some original outstanding you know it's just a. Uh, and you know sometimes remakes are fine if they if they make them better you know great I and mean, you know uh, a lot of movies they did better True Grit was was amazing the original but the remake was just that much better just because you know 
better cast and you know bigger budget things like that but for the sake of remaking a movie just to do it it's oh yeah those things are the it's like oh well we haven't remade this in a while yeah uh you know i bet people will go out and see this again um the idea of doing that i'm i'm still going to definitely see both parts of the hobbit um although i still still think they probably could have done it in one in one film instead of spreading it onto two but i i really liked the idea of having the balls to just take stuff that wasn't written into a narrative that existed but then taking that and then writing a completely new story around it and i mean as far as i was concerned as long as the people who were involved in lord of the rings were involved in creating that uh bridge movie i guess whatever it was they were going to do um, I would have been fine with that. The way they handled the 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 book to movie adaptation for the original three films was, you know, I thought great considering yeah, it was. considering what they actually had to to deal with. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of book purists out there that still hate those movies because they left, you know, some random character out or some guy who did have a big part, but you know, just would have gobbled up too much screen time or something like that. Right. I know there's purists out there who still uh think that they did a terrible job but uh <laughs> i i couldn't i couldn't disagree more when you have to adapt books like that i mean that was at one point considered uh books that could never be adapted into film so the fact that they did it and did it as well as they did and won uh, a boatload of oscars and things like that i think is a testament to how well they did those films so if they would have uh done a bridge movie just off of the just off of the you know the the notes and things like that that he made for the backstory, I would have been totally cool with that. And you know, maybe that's something they could do. Like after the Hobbit comes out, like if it still has a lot of juice and it's still a box office monster, maybe that's something they'll decide to greenlight afterwards. Right. I mean, I have to imagine it's going to do huge numbers. Oh God, yeah. So, um, I yeah, and I and I and I have absolutely no worries that they're going to be uh, well made and great just from the behind the scenes stuff I've already seen. So, yeah. Um. There's this. Uh, I, I don't know too much about this. I've I've only been following it kind of vaguely, but apparently that uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies movie is going through a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to see it really bad as soon as I heard the title. Um, there are a couple movies that kind of fit into that. So like uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, things like that, um, or movie titles that immediately caught my attention. Yeah, I've actually read the book Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, and you know it. Uh... Sure, shit. It's Pride and Prejudice. Just uh, everybody's a, <laughs> a bunch of zombie hunters, and, you know, and the book itself was amazing. I mean, it, it sounds bad to say, but I mean, I get a lot of my best reading done in the toilet, and that's one of the books that's always in the crapper. Is because you know you can always just pick it up and be like, you know, so so and so just walking through a field of lilies, whatever, thinking about you know life and love, and all of a sudden there's you know there's just swords swinging and there's decapitating yeah. zombies left and right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess they've just been having a lot of problems with directors, I guess. They've gone yeah. through three of them so far. Yep. Uh, they're looking for their fourth director. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine why, uh, um, I guess one of the writers of the, the screenplay or whatever was giving their opinion on why they thought it was, wasn't working so well. And she seemed to think it was because it's hard to sell, you know, a comedy horror movie, but last few comedy horror movies that have come out have done you know pretty well i thought amazingly so yeah um and you gotta look at just just Shaun of the dead is kind of like you know the the, right. the recent you know kind of set the standard for everything is if you can follow their kind of uh their lead you're gonna make money right right um yeah i mean obviously i i have no idea it, it just sounds like that would almost be a movie that would kind of sell itself to people who just want to have a fun time in movie theater Right. Uh, or like you said, you know, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Right. Uh, to me, that that, that movie, uh, without ever having ever read the book, or my mom has read that book, uh, without ever having right. read the book, um, to me that name immediately says, "Oh God, I got to go see that movie." Abraham yeah. Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah, I'm there. Uh, <laughs> there was a there, on YouTube uh, a while back. There was a not a fan made. Uh, teaser trailer for it but it, it was it was something done i believe like by the publishing house for the book it was a a live action teaser for the novel Ugh. and I, I saw that and immediately had to go buy the book it was just like oh my god that's abe lincoln you know in the in an office out of nowhere vampire shows up and he just starts <laughs> kicking the crap out of this thing so and, uh, immediately awesome. i was sold yeah yeah it's awesome. um the uh 
Yeah, I, I don't know what the problem uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is running into, um, but I would greatly like to see this movie uh, not only not only get made, but released sometime soon. And I actually liked, uh, I know this is going to ruin a lot of my nerdy cred, but I thoroughly, uh, I, well, I should mention, this shouldn't ruin my nerdy cred. This is a, <laughs> a website about people who are geeks about movies, not necessarily geeky movies. Right. Um, but I, I uh, there's a, at least a couple of adaptations of Pride and Prejudice I actually liked. I thought were uh, good flicks and stuff. I've never read the, uh, the Jane Austen novels. I've uh, let Jen read those. Um, not a big. I'm not a big book guy anyway. But I watched the movies and uh, you know, I totally liked the movies. I thought they were fine, and uh, I think they would uh, definitely benefit from from zombies. Oh, <laughs> from God, time absolutely. Time. Well, I think most movies would benefit from zombies, perhaps. But um, I, it's, just you know, those those seem like brilliant. Uh, this just seemed like brilliant ideas for films. Um, it's it's well, and the guy too who wrote the books. I mean, you want to talk about just sitting around one day? It's like you know what? I'm going to rewrite this, but with zombies. It took the exact storyline, plot, I mean, yeah. everything. Nothing changes like relationships, marriages. I mean, you know, breakups. Everything's still the same. He right. just threw in zombies, and I'm like, that is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's it's doing something original while at the same time not doing something all that original. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> you're just taking you're just taking a story that somebody else did and then altering it slightly, which you know puts it into the realm of parody, which means you don't get sued for it. Clearly, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I just think that's I, I just think it's uh, brilliant, and they could probably do it with a lot. Maybe, hopefully, he'll go and do other Jane Austen novels as well and include other horror movie icons into them perhaps right <laughs> i have no idea if they have plans for that but you know, i'm that... sure i'm sure he does I and mean, there's no way that this guy is not going to keep right cashing that uh the, all the checks for that you know that as he can sense and sensibility and the wolfman you know something like that oh god that'd be uh... great <laughs> just put werewolf sense and sensibility and werewolves and werewolves yeah <laughs> um Man, there was also not a lot of uh, video game news, but the new WWE game came out on the 22nd. Um, I, I was confused by this, because um, I really badly want there to be a great game, uh, a, a, <laughs> a great wrestling game, because I have not... Get an N64 I, and go buy No Mercy, greatest wrestling game ever made, but that was, I, you know, how I, long ago? <laughs> I agree, in 1999. Oh my god, yeah. came out, um, which actually doesn't seem all that long ago, but in the history of video games, that's ancient yeah uh, video game uh video game wise um the last video game the the real last video game i bought that i actually held on to for a while because um my brother actually talked me into buying smackdown versus raw for like 2009 or 10 or something it was an absolutely atrocious game that i (laughs) i think i traded in literally like two days later it was it was rough. I, I took a huge hit in the pocketbook for buying that, and I bought it used, but I it traded it back pretty quickly. Um, right. Before that, the last game that I actually bought and kept for a while was, uh, I think, probably one of the PS2 versions, or maybe the uh, PS1. I think it was uh, Here Comes the Pain. I think that was a PS2 version. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was the last one I actually bought and kept around for a while. Um, the No Mercy game is still my, my favorite, although I liked kind of all of those AKI, uh, AKI games. Yeah came out with all of those games I really liked, but that was the, to me, that was like the peak of the, the game engine for that particular series. That was like the most they could do with it. Um, I've heard, I, I've, I don't know, I've heard a lot of great reviews for this game. Like, they've really stepped it up and changed things around and made a better game than the the previous years, and they have a, uh, a control scheme that is more similar to the old N64 games, where it's less joystick combinations and more button pushing and grappling and things like that hmm. uh so i'm i'm a, i'm a fan of that I'm, it looks like there's also the same amount of awesome customization that you can always do um things like that that i guess are, are somewhat appealing the things that are always appealing to at least to me would, would be the ability to kind of control everything i, I never like playing their story modes i always thought those were terrible yeah uh, to me, the to me the appeal was to be able to play to play things and then just run a schedule of shows and things like that and book things the way I want to book them. So I always thought that was the uh, the appeal to me, and you can do all of that stuff. And it got a bevy of really great reviews, and then it started getting some some not so great reviews. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna check it out. I'm I'm terrified to actually pay full price for the game though. Yeah, uh, I've been burned so many times in the past by the older games. Um, I, I, I would just hope that eventually they would make up their mind because I've seen a lot of gameplay footage, and I think 
uh, I, I would be happy if they kind of just made up their mind on what kind of game they're going to do. Are they going to do a an arcade style game, or are they going to do more of a an actual simulation game? Because right. the uh, uh, the people who make uh, baseball games or, or hockey games or basketball games have the have the simulation down to a T. You, well, and, and even the UFC Undisputed games, those simulations are ridiculously awesome. Right, you get really good anything that has crowd involvement. I think you have those games are are particularly really great at doing uh, the sim um, portion. You know, if you hit a if you hit a grand slam home run in a game, the crowd is going to go nuts. There's going to be sound effects and fireworks and things like that. You're, they want to recreate the feeling that you would get if you were watching a game on TV or if you were at the game or whatever yourself. That you would get the same, close to the same sort of feeling that you would get if you were actually watching it happen in real life. And the thing that that still gets me about um, the wrestling games, especially this one, because it looks like they've not changed uh, this aspect at all. Watching the gameplay footage. Um, you have like a guy hitting a, a finisher. That I think they have Brock Lesnar in this game, don't they? The new one. Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, he uh, apparently didn't have enough money. <laughs> signed a signed a licensing agreement. Yeah. Um. So I've seen. So there's some gameplay footage in there. He hits like an F5 on somebody, and then the game goes from being a sim because they do a lot of s- stuff to make it seem like a real simulation. And not only are they not only with the in-ring mechanics or whatever of the game, but apparently they went to great painstaking lengths to to do similar camera angles like they do on TV. Right. You know, shots like that to make it really look like you're watching it. They even, you know, put the pointless, you know, high-def logos down in the corner, you know, just like you're watching on TV, things <laughs> like that, um, just to give you more of the experience. But then, say you hit, like, um, you know, a, a Stone Cold Stunner or Rock Bottom or something like that, the crowd doesn't go nuts. You get, like, a slow-motion blurry, and the sound kind of gets all muffled. I mean, the, the, the crowd knows the false finish when they see it by this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, I mean, it, to me, it looks to me, it looks like it goes into like you know arcade mode for a second there. It's like, oh, you hit a special move. They need to be like NBA Jam, where you can actually set someone on fire and then do a finishing move to them. You know. And by the way, I really, um, I've only had a chance to play the demo of the on fire edition of NBA Jam, but it's pretty great. Oh, of course, <laughs> um, love NBA Jam. But I mean, that's the thing to me. It's like if you want to do like a real sim, it's like the guy should get hit with the move. The crowd should explode. They should, you know, count the three. The announcers should be going haywire. Yeah. Uh, instead, it's just like there's this muffled sound, blurriness, slow motion. The crowd doesn't sound like they're at all interested. The three count happens. It seems like nobody cares. The announcers are like, oh, so-and-so won, and then you just go on. Maybe they're the trying next... to take it from, like, an indie show perspective. Man, if that's the case. <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps they've watched a lot of epic pro wrestling shows. Oh, no, those shows are great. <laughs> the, um... That's a joke nobody's going to get. Um, well, I mean, you know, we will, but that's right. <laughs> like, you and I can laugh at it. Nobody else is going to know. Right. Maybe Nick Nick Montez may laugh at it. Yeah. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, yeah, that's just, I don't know. I, I saw that, and that's the thing that, like, deflated me. I'm like, oh, that's not what happens on TV at all. People hit a big move, and the crowd goes crazy, and right. people are flipping out left and right. It, you know, nothing, things don't go into slow motion. The sound doesn't get muffled and blurry and... You know, that's when it goes back into like, oh, you're playing a video game, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I, I just, well, this I don't thing I liked about No, no Mercy, I mean, you could take Spike Dudley and he's powerbombing the big show left and right in that game. I mean, that's that was that's awesome. Little, that's also a little ridiculous, but it's awesome at the same right. time. Right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, I, hey, that's, you know, that's, you, know, you still get video game moments like that. I was playing a, a MLB 11 the show yesterday and had a two home run game with Will Rhymes. That doesn't happen in wow. real life. Either, so, uh, and they were both well over, they were both well over 350 foot home runs. Oh, there's, no way, there's no way that happens. Right. Uh, not let alone once, not, not even twice in a game. So, um, you still get video game moments like that where you're just like, Oh, that would never happen in real life. Right. Uh, I'm Owen three with Justin Verlander, for example, right now. It's just that stuff. Oh, would, no way. Stuff would not happen in real life. It's just, Video game magic. Well, and that's the whole thing with, like, you know, the, the video games or movies. I mean, you know, we, we want all that stuff to be an escape. You know what I mean? Like, if we actually wanted to to go, you know, to play ba- we'd step our lazy asses outside and play baseball. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. Completely agreed. Um, it's just a matter of striking the right balance, essentially. It's like, I yeah. don't like... 
I don't like playing, uh, for me, the best baseball games or hockey games uh, to play are the ones where things are kept moderately close. I don't like the games where I'm being completely blown out or I'm blowing out the other team, then it's just not as much fun anymore. Uh, right. At some point, at some point I, I feel like crap for being blown out or I feel bad for the other team for me blowing them out. Right, yeah. I try to get out on purpose or something like that just so the innings will be over. Right. Uh, you know, so you got to, it's a matter, I mean, video games aren't going to be perfect for, for quite a long while, but they've still got a, it's, it's a matter of, of striking the right balance. There's, there's some games that do way better than others. I think sports games are, are hard because there's, um, it, it's different when you're doing something like Arkham City or something like that, where it's more of, um, it's a, it's a different kind of game when you're trying to completely recreate something that happens in real life. It's a uh, it's a little bit tougher to get it right a hundred percent. So obviously they get some slack cut for them uh, here and there for video games that revolve around like sports or, th- or things like that. I think Christopher Nolan's getting that same slack for the Batman franchise he's working on too. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, yeah. So did you read that uh, <clears throat> the dark the Dark Knight? It's going to be eight years after the last film. Yeah, I did. I did see that, and I'm glad you mentioned it because it's something I kind of forgot about. I read it. Uh, quite a few days ago. That's one of the things I heard was that the because uh, they're going to be showing the prologue. Yeah, uh, Mission Impossible Three: Ghost Protocol, mm-hmm. another movie that I'm actually really not that interested in seeing. Um, yeah, I might walk out after the prologue. Just to, I'll just yeah, go pay to see that. That'll be about it. So they're uh, they're showing the six minute prologue. They did this with the Dark Knight as well. But mm-hmm. the thing, the rumors I was hearing before was that the prologue was going to start legit right after the dark knight ended with batman still on the bat pod and um or the bat cycle whatever they're calling it yeah. um that the movie was going to start right literally right after that and then he you know uh runs into bane at some point uh after that or whatever but then uh yeah nolan came out with this interview where he said no the movie's gonna be like eight years later which is a huge gap in between yeah and considering the two that you know christian bale i mean it hasn't been actually eight years, so he doesn't look all that different than the last movie. I mean, do they plan on make, aging him a little bit or what? Like, I have no clue how they're going to address that or if it's just kind of... Right. I mean, are they going to do uh, And from what I gather as well, the Batman, unless they haven't specified otherwise, but the Dark Knight seemed to take place in kind of like a modern day uh, type setting using, yeah. somewhat, using somewhat realistic or plausible devices and things like that. Um so they're going to be kind of punching forward about a decade into the future here. So I'm I'm wondering if they're going to have any crazier. Maybe that's going to be his out for using um, a little more like outlandishness, perhaps. We may even see a little bit of comic bookness come out in this movie, maybe even. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> giving him, a, I mean, eight years in the future, I guess, would kind of give him a little bit of license to maybe do something a little more outlandish that may not necess- uh, necessarily be possible at this exact second. So. Yeah. I can't uh, wait to hear how eight years of talking like Batman will affect Christian Bale's bat voice. In yes! This That's what I want to know. Is it just going to be hoarse the entire oh time? Oh my god, it is so bad. Like, the the first one, you know, it wasn't really that bad because he didn't talk that much, which was, you know, right. Batman doesn't really talk all that much, and then the second one, it's like, holy yeah, crap. He had pages and pages of dialogue. Yeah, just gargling with, like, gasoline and broken glass, just trying yeah, to get was- that right. It was uh, it was a little weird. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, and kind of all of the Batmans, like throughout, with the exception of Adam West, I guess, all, all of the Batmans kind of had like a a lower, gruffer voice, but yeah. not quite to that degree. You know, he he, you know, tried to sound like the lead singer of Lamb of God or something. Yeah, uh, no kidding. Like, to, uh, <laughs> and in my mind, I like to think that when Michael Keaton saw that, he just started jerking off in whatever movie theater he was sitting in, just giggling to himself about how great he was and how much <laughs> Christian Bale sucks. I mean, Christian Bale, I'll give him this, he is a better Bruce Wayne, in my opinion. You know, he just, right. he, he has that pompousness to him, but Michael Keaton, by far, the better Batman. Right. I thought he was a great Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah, the Batman thing, I, I like him as Batman as long as he's not talking too much. He's yeah. fine as Batman. I don't, I don't think he's, like, the best Batman. I, I still think, like you said, I th- Michael Keaton was the the best actual Batman yeah. when he was Batman. Mm-hmm. But I thought um, he was, that Bale was perfectly fine when he wasn't just talking so much. That voice is just, you know, and I know he's like diving into the role and stuff and really taking on, a, you know, a, a different character and really wants Batman to be different from, you know, Bruce Wayne, even vocally or whatever, so people don't recognize his voice or something like that. But um, it, it's still kind of just a an odd choice because it's, 
so it just stands out from everything else so much. Yeah, and I, I can't it, see Christopher Nolan just hearing that on the first take and be like, "Oh yeah, we're good." I mean, why, why would you talk? Why would you talk like that? Like, I have no idea. Time? Um, and obviously he's not like he doesn't become a different person. He's just uh, isn't the idea that he's just using kind of a different voice on purpose so this way people won't recognize him or whatever. I guess so. I, that's kind of, I guess that's kind of the idea, but. You know, why would you talk like that for how how could you even talk like that for twenty minutes? Or right. you know, can you carry out conversations like that? I mean, uh me and friends try to sit there and, and, and do it for like ten seconds and can't do it. We start coughing or you know, it's it's uh it's a, it's amazing, I guess. I guess that's why we're not Batman, because we no, can't do it for not. longer than a few seconds at a time. No, no, we can't. This is why we are not Batman. <laughs> right. Um Let's talk about the uh the Blu ray releases that are coming out. And there's not even a whole bunch of them right now. There's a, actually very few Blu-ray releases, which kind of sucks, but um, a, a lot of good ones, though, and a couple of movies that I'm actually right in the in the midst of getting reviews done for. So um, let's see here. We have uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, which I heard was uh, pretty good. Amazing movie. Okay. I saw it on demand. I was tempted to get it, but I did not. You're not, you're not going to regret it. It's it, it, by far one of the best movies I've seen this year. Okay. Uh, I heard I heard great things. Yeah. So. It's on my list. Uh, Smallville, the complete tenth season. Uh, I've never, never so much as watched an episode of Smallville, so I can't comment on the. Uh... But you could just hear fanboys worldwide cringe as soon as you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't attest to the quality of Smallville. Right. Uh, but uh, let's see here. We also have uh, our idiot brother is coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, One day, uh, Chillerama, which doesn't sound like something I have any interest in. Seeing. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the does, that of... start, does that start anyone from the Jersey Shore just by the title alone? I'm not sure. Uh, Chillerama. I don't believe so. Uh, <laughs> um, it looks like an old flick, though. Like an old, maybe like an old horror movie, maybe? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, we also have uh, The Art of Getting Bias coming out on Blu-ray. And then a couple of movies I'm going to be reviewing pretty soon here. Uh, Another Earth. And uh, 30 Minutes or Less. Oh, yeah. From the uh, makers of Zombieland yeah. and, and whatnot. Based on a real-life story that they're refusing to acknowledge. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, the guy who was uh, strapped to the... And that guy ended up dying, too, did he not? Yeah, they blew him up. <laughs> I don't know if the movie ends that way. I haven't <laughs> made it all the way through it yet. I'm about, Spoiler alert, yeah, right. <laughs> about 20 minutes through, but I'm... You know, if they blow up Jesse Eisenberg, I don't know how I'll feel. Uh, I like right. Jesse Eisenberg, but... Uh, Great in social network. Oh yeah, uh, brilliant in social network. Yeah. Um. Boy, this is uh, this is the part of the show we've been kind of. I don't want to. I don't want to say it again. This is the part we've been dreading, <laughs> where we're th- talking about. And the thing is, there are so many movies coming out right now that look really good that are opening or that are opened. I guess right now, usually they they open today, but because it's Black Friday and people are out shopping, uh, the movie industry knows that no one's going to be going to see a movie today. So they open things the day before Thanksgiving. Right. Um, but this now, was it that the Muppets, weren't they hitting like a 95% or something on Rotten Tomatoes? Like, right it was something they're, ridiculous, wasn't right, it? Yeah, right now they're at 97. Holy crap. Rave, rave, rave reviews about that movie. And I guess I really shouldn't be that surprised because uh, Jason Siegel is kind of the one in charge of this. And for everything I've seen Jason Siegel in, he seems to somehow include Muppets into it. Right. And he seems to have just this incredible undying passion and love for Muppets for some reason. And as soon as I heard he was kind of more or less in charge of this Muppet film, um, I was just like, yeah, he's it, he's going to make it good. Like, There's just no way he would make a really crappy Muppets film. And apparently he not only made a really good Muppets film, he made a great one. It's out of 117 reviews so far, 114 are fresh. Only wow. negative reviews. And we should probably call out these people who have given the <laughs> given right. the negative review. I'm willing to say it's the chick who wrote the Twilight books is one of them. <laughs> um, let's see here. Trying to knock him up us down a little bit. Um, well, J.R. Jones of the Chicago Reader. Oh, what a dick. Uh, said, except for a few good zingers from the balcony dwellers, Statler and Waldorf, there isn't much here for mom and dad. Um, which I which I disagree. I think... I, I actually I couldn't disagree more. Mom and dads are the ones that are going to want to see this movie more than the kids. Oh, absolutely. Most I mean my my 8-year-old kind of knows who the Muppets are, but because they haven't been, you know, out in the mainstream for quite a while, 
you know, I'm the one who's saying that's Kermit, that's Miss Piggy, that's Stetler and Waldorf, that's Rolf, that's right. um, I'm the one telling her who all these people are for a change. Um, Melissa Anderson of the Village Voice didn't like it either. She said, desperately trying to appeal to not just the Gen Xers who grew up with Kermit and the like, uh, but the Tykes, who have never even heard of Jim Henson's The Muppet Movie, has none of the easy confidence of the original TV show or the 1979 movie. Uh, she's clearly in the minority here. Yeah, no shit. And Rick Groan, which is an epic name for a movie <laughs> critic. Uh, so uh, Dick Groan is this guy's name? Rick Groan. But Rick Groan. Uh, Richard, which is also yeah. short for Dick. Dick. Uh, yeah. Globe and Mail said the Muppet charm always had more home with the intimate frame of a TV set. Basically, he's, this guy's review reads like he thought the Muppets were always better suited for television than for a movie, but I disagree because there's quite a few of the Muppet films that I like. But Oh, my God, yeah, the great Muppet caper. I mean, you know, you can't get much better than that. Muppets take Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's classic. Um, so we have the Muppets. They're, they're out in theaters right now. Uh, and Arthur Christmas, which is also pulling in 91% right now out of 103 reviews, 94 positive. Wow. Um, which I wouldn't have guessed based on the teaser trailer, which I thought was, yeah, I mean, it was what it was. Right. Um, the teaser trailer looked interesting. I hadn't really seen anything other than the teaser trailer, but uh, apparently it's a really good Christmas film with British humor in it and whatnot. So hmm. um, there's that. There's uh, the shocking turn of, of style for Martin Scorsese uh, doing Hugo. Oh, yeah. That's also doing incredible 97% out of 104 reviews and 101 positive. Um, yeah, they're just saying this movie is, even though it's a weird, kind of like a weird direction for Scorsese to go, it's still a masterful Scorsese movie, uh, even though it's kind of more aimed at kids. I mean, it's a PG Scorsese movie. I mean, I can't even imagine that. It just that. Well, now I'm sold. I got to go see this. That alone blows my mind. <laughs> um it's a, uh, yeah. I'm <laughs> just like okay, PG Scorsese movie, all right. And then you know, ninety-seven percent. Um, there's also uh, opening is uh, my week with Marilyn, and then there's you know a couple of other films that are uh, uh, just kind of below the radar, I guess a little bit that aren't really going to be either opening wide or or doing much business. But there's a, they have um, they have like eight movies here on Rotten Tomatoes main page that are opening. And seven of the eight are all uh, are all getting positive reviews. So quality films coming out. Um, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to say the the Muppets or Hugo are going to take over Twilight, I just got it. I just don't see it happening. There's um, hopefully all the kids' movies will be enough to knock it down a little bit, so maybe the Muppets can sneak over top in a surprise move. Right. I mean, there's. But what, you're right. Yeah, I agree. I just I don't see it. There's what I would like to happen, and what I just figure is going to happen. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I would really like to see the Muppets, or Hugo for that matter, be number yeah. one, although I don't think either one of them are, are going to do it. I just think that uh, the the oh. Twihards will in fact go back and, and view the film for a seventh or eighth time. Um, yeah. And, and the worst part is we're going to be here a year from now talking about the second part. Oh, God. It's also going to be taking over, so... Is just you know put on our future helmets, and I'll also predict Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn Part Two, just a year ahead of time now to be uh, at the top of the box office. Ugh. It's just uh, it's going to be. Um, so are we? Are we kind of both in a consensus that we're probably going to be? Yeah. Bella and Edward and shirtless werewolf guy, clueless, uh, clueless white guy dad, and bunch of other ridiculous characters just poor, what a written, bunch of, oh. bad dialogue oh my God, I just, oh. I, I, the thing that screams the thing that stands out to me the most is just you know to me it's like get it out of my movie theaters because it just it feels like a trashy romance novel plus date soap opera acting yeah which, it's it, you just smash up 16 and pregnant and teen wolf together and just you know marketing right. it to 14 year old it's oh Right, put it straight to DVD, and yeah. you sell just as many copies, and uh, people won't have to be dragged by their girlfriends or wives to uh, to go see this. Thankfully, I wonder uh, how many more fake Caesars there's going to be for the end of the weekend. Yes, thankfully mine can't can't stand Twilight. Yeah, uh, mine either. <laughs> no interest in reading the books or seeing the movies. Uh, she has friends 
who love the movies and have t-shirts and other things oh. kind of sad because we're pushing 30 here so um you know to me that's still kind of a little weird but i guess it's i guess it's not all that unheard of uh, to me i thought this movie was kind of more aimed at 13 year old girls but Right. Well, I mean, I can't really say much about the T-shirts sitting here in my Captain America T-shirt. So yeah. <laughs> no, man, that's totally fine. That movie was marketed towards uh, adults, though. So right, yeah. <laughs> well, to a, to a large degree. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I never understand how the the market works. Apparently, Transformers were supposed to be marketed towards kids, but there is a uh, boatloads of terrible language and dry humping in those movies. And oh yeah fairly naked, you know, I shouldn't say fairly naked women, but, you know, scantily clad women. I can't wait for Jason Statham to take over so we can get shirtless and oiled up like at least 40 minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, they are going to be making more Transformers movies, so there is that, and if they get rid of Shia LaBeouf, I'll actually be pretty happy. I'm not a Shia fan whatsoever. Yeah. Let's see what everybody else sees in him, apparently, in Hollywood. Apparently they see a uh, huge movie star in him, but I'm not. I'm not seeing it. It's like maybe they think like you know, cute young guy. Uh, maybe they look at him and see like Leo DiCaprio, but Leo DiCaprio is actually a really good actor, yeah. and has only gotten. I mean, he started out pretty good and has only gotten better. Absolutely. So, um, Jay Edgar looks like it's amazing. Yeah. Um. I I heard weird mixed things about that movie, but I guess it just depends on your type of uh, your type of film, I guess. So. Right. Um, a lot of people didn't like it because they thought it was more of like a, a biopic that was just, you know, here's J. Edgar Hoover's greatest hits in, in sequential order. And I think some <laughs> people wanted it to be more of a, um, you know, more of a character study or something where you get to try to maybe learn a little bit more about the the person, I guess. Right. You know, but uh, by all accounts, he was a pretty darn secretive guy and there isn't a whole lot to really know and. A lot of stuff is obviously speculative, so yeah. Um, to say the very least, um, unlike the W movie where there's a lot, there's a lot about George W. Bush. Um, did you ever see that flick? By the way, before we close things out, I just had <laughs> in mind randomly Josh Brolin playing George Bush. Did you see yeah. that? No, I I, uh, I I couldn't really justify it to myself to sit down and watch that thing. Oliver, an Oliver Stone movie. Well, here here's the thing that was weird about that movie. I'm just gonna go ahead and say get this out of the way now. Um, Seeing an Oliver Stone movie about George Bush, the first thing I thought of immediately was, "Oh, he's just gonna, he's just gonna take him to task. He's gonna uh, rail against Bush here hardcore for two hours. It's gonna be nothing but a Bush bash for two straight hours," uh, which I would have probably been fine with watching. Right. I mean, who doesn't love you know a two-hour Bush bash? But the weird thing is, is that is totally not the story they told. Um, if it is in fact. Uh, and I highly doubt this, obviously, because it's Oliver Stone making a movie about George W. Bush. But if it was, in fact, 100% accurate, my my worldview on this guy uh, has uh, changed. I mean, it, it did change after I watched it. I, never, I, I no longer thought of him as, like, the, the worst human being on Earth. I just actually felt more bad for him as kind of like this idiot who wanted... Uh, uh, the movie, the in, like the movie, portrays him as like the brother that, um, you know, like you're the you're the fuck up brother, and right. we don't want Jeb to be president. We don't want you to be president. Um, and he really felt like the well, you know, and I'm going to prove to these guys that I'm, you know, he they actually kind of painted him as like the scrappy underdog guy who wanted to just prove to his family that he was, you know, that he had some like value or worth to him, and he just right. happened to be really bad for the job. He wasn't smart enough, he wasn't knowledgeable enough, and he got in bed with a bunch of r- truly terrible people, and then got a whole bunch of crap lumped onto him, which is like the last movie I expected to watch when I walked into the theater. And that's what I ended up walking out of, is like, this guy just seems like the little guy who was crapped on by his family or whatever and just wanted to prove them that proved him that he had something you know like worth a damn or whatever and then just happened right. too stupid and was over way like way in over his head or whatever yeah no shit <laughs> which is not the picture i expected to be painted um i you know I, I felt so mixed about it i think when i when i reviewed it on rotten tomatoes i only gave it like three stars because i felt weird about it i wasn't sure if i liked it or if i disliked it or what it was just a weird experience because it was um you know it's like going into Freddy versus jason and then the movie, it's then like the movie starts, and then you see like My Little Ponies or something instead. 
right. come on the screen. You're just like, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, I was just completely confused. It was 180 from what I was expecting to see. So um, we actually managed to, to pull the podcast all the way out to an hour. This is wow. epic. I was not expecting it, but we managed. Um, so that's awesome. Just by ourselves. We only talked about Twilight for about 30 minutes. I was uh, yeah, that's, that's to everybody. They can skip over those parts of the podcast. That's right. Um, we managed to take a whole lot of not uh, a pretty newsless week and turn it into at least a relatively decent discussion about the few things that were going on. So, and there was a, there was about like 15 minutes of like wrestling video game talk in there as well. So. Uh, a little bit for everybody. He's the video game fans as well. Uh, so I want to thank everybody for checking out the podcast this week on cinemageekly.com or on iTunes. And until next week, I'm Anthony Lewis. And I'm Aaron Day Lewis. Uh, we'll see you next week, folks. Bye.